Podcast, a monthly YA Life podcast hosted by Dawn Abram and Elise Martinez, YA librarians from the Chicagoland area. Each episode features reviews and rants on new and upcoming YA books. We're here to help you navigate your TBR pile. What's good, what's bad, and everything in between. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Elise, the rejecter of romance. So turn up the volume. Here we go. the novel universe and we are going to be doing our October reads and it is mid-November sorry <laughs> we had some thick books we had to get through guys yeah. apologize for that and some of us didn't even do that so and neither I didn't I didn't even read two of the books I was supposed to this so. is not a great reading month no I didn't read any, anything at all like for like four weeks I haven't read anything I don't feel so bad then <laughs> all right so usually we have a cold open we are not going to do that this time instead we are going to do a more in-depth review of the grace year because we both read it obs um so let's jump into let's the go. grace year what started out as a potential feminist yeah fist pumping her- heralding soon turned bullshit <laughs> yeah i'm sorry if you did not if you liked this book but we did not like wow. i hated this book so badly it is going to be in the top three worst book of the year. I don't know which one it's going to land on, one, two, or three, but it is, I mean, this could possibly be one of the worst books I've yeah. read in the decade. It was that bad. I as, hated all of it. You know, as someone who's never written a book or attempted to write a book, but who has read a lot of books, I've read so many where it becomes apparent that either the author loses interest in their own story or the deadline gets to them and they are forced to just start popping it out. And I, I feel so deeply that that is what happened here because I didn't. I think it's something else. I have another reason. Go ahead. For me, I, I, I thought that the first quarter, not the first half. I will say the first fifty pages were okay for me. Sure. I'm gonna stick with the first quarter. The first mm-hmm. until she got to her grace year. Yeah. The that's book, where it fell apart. The book was absolutely tracking. I'm like, wow. She, you know, she's pulling some themes that I have not yet seen in in feminist YA. Um, and this could potentially be really amazing. And then they get to the Gracier. So, so basically that, that setup of this Mm -hmm. completely misogynist, sexist society was very well done. The, the, the foundation was laid in a way that I was like, these are some good stepping stones. Let's bring it on. She establishes you know, the character's motives. She establishes the villain's motive. But she does that more when she gets to the Gracier. And by that time, the story had sort of started to unravel. But then they get to the Gracier, which I guess we can go into what all that means. But they get to this, like, Hunger Games-type competition situation. Before you go, this is going to be spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will put in the show notes the time where we start talk, where we talk about the Gracier. Maybe we should do a spoiler... A spoiler, non-spoiler review, and then we'll go into it. I think you kind of did. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You just basically, basically said the first quarter was pretty good, and then it falls apart. Right. The first quarter right. is good. The rest falls apart. She starts to bring in elements that had no business being in the story, and and frankly, just really distracted from a very strong feminist premise. So, um, sticking in the non-spoiler part, I will say my reason why I thought this book was not good. I think the 
the topic was too big for this author. I don't think she could, she was able to handle a feminist novel. She set it up well. It was interesting. It was different than some of the other worlds we've read before, but her execution of it just didn't, it didn't land. I just think it was just way too big for her. This was, she was not the author to write this story. I mean, honestly, like the, the beginning section was like, this is Handmaid's Tale 2.0. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is really good. Um, and so I don't, I don't even know if I want to blame the author. I haven't read any of her other books. You have. But, like, who knows? Maybe her editor was like, ooh, it's a little bit too intense for an adult or for a young adult. Let's pull it back. Blah, Could blah, be. Blah. I can see that. I can, too, because ultimately they have to sell this book. Yeah. You know, uh, publishers are not good Samaritans. They're not just like, the world needs this feminist story. Let's put it out, even though they may say that they are. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know, but, God, it's like... So I was like, either, I really wish she would have either taken the time to work this story out if this was like, ooh, I took on something really big. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that there are so many moving parts here, but as a reader, none of it was none satisfying it. or came together in a way none that was it. remotely sensical, frankly. The villain was, Kirsten was awful. The supporting characters at, contributed absolutely nothing. You know, and like I said... I mean, is it is the grace here what happens in there a spoiler that it's like a I mean she does say that they're put in this in this mm-hmm. like place to basically battle it out. Yeah, it's like handmaid's tale meet Lord of the Flies. Right. I think it's, yeah. So it's not even like a competition. It's just like it's like people pitted against each other by the larger authority. But in she their doesn't life. do anything with that, and no, that's the point. And that's what I thought she was going to do yes. because the entire theme that she sets up is that it's women pitted against each other for one purpose. The the men in this in this village want to keep them disorganized because without cooperation and without equity and planning they are powerless Mm -hmm. the status quo is maintained because they men have managed to be better organized that is a theme i have never seen discussed in a book except not in a teen book book, thank you except again i was going to say handmaid's tale um and so i thought that the main character whose name i can't even remember Tyranny. Tyranny. I thought she was going to come into this grace year and get these women organized to come back to the village and fuck shit up. And she does kind of set that up because Tyranny, you know, she does little things like setting up a water barrel, getting a sanitation station, rationing out the food. Too much information. Sorry. Yeah, we won't go into that too much. Um, You know, but then then it just goes off the rails and in a way that I think she was like okay I need to make this a little bit more thrilling so then she pulls in the thriller elements and like she goes a little bit like the village via M. Night Shyamalan and I was like this just lost its way mm-hmm. you know and I really was hoping that she would have committed to this incredible theme that she's a- attempting to discuss yeah and because did. you're writing for the future gem- generation of feminists like this is how shit gets changed the Me Too movement has has been, you know, I don't want to use the word successful, but like, it's it's brought about change because people were organized. There was a force behind this, and like, and she does, and I'm not gonna say much because it's a spoiler. We'll get into that in spoilers. She does attempt that. It just didn't work. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go into the spoiler edition of it. We've been talking about it for yeah. seven minutes. All right, so once, like I said. In the show notes, I will say when during what the time, time the spoiler yeah. edition is, and so you don't have to listen to it. All right, so let's get into the well. We want to do overall. Why? I guess let's just get into let's just the go. specifics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so Kirsten, the villain. 
when you said Handmaid's Tale, and I we know this going in that this is a Handmaid's Tale-like book, I was expecting Aunt Lydia in Handmaid's wow. Tale. That is the woman who is a woman, yet she's oppressing other women. And we really she's get to understand exactly mm -hmm. why she's doing that, yeah. what's in her head, what's motivating her. We don't get any of that from well, Kirsten. Well, Kirsten was supposed to be that role. It's what I'm saying. And it didn't work. Right, because she is completely bought into this concept mm -hmm. of like, yeah, women have magic and we have to get rid of it because that's on us. And that's like our, our shit. We are the weaker sex. We are the ones that have caused all of these problems in our society. And if we fix ourselves, then we can make society better. But she does... She doesn't Nothing. commit to that direction. No. We don't learn any of her backstory. When no. you have a villain, you have to make them sympathetic. Doesn't mean you have to like them, but you have to understand where they're coming from. We learn nothing about Kirsten and why right. she behaves the way she's no, absolutely nothing. So then we can't sympathize with her and she that makes her a cartoon villain. Mm -hmm. She's basically bossy, which is something we've all read before. She's yeah. jealous of Tyranny because the girls want to follow her and she's like, No, 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 look at me. Let's all treat Tyranny like shit. Let's throw her under the bus. Let I'm going to set her up for the big failure so everyone will follow me instead of her like this is something that we've all read before yeah and when she finally grows in the end when kirsten finally grows in the end it's like nothing tyranny does she she doesn't do anything to help her grow mm -hmm. she like she's like no let's go outside of the gate because i'm right and then when something tries to eat her ass oh god no now all of a sudden she's on board like quickly that is not a good villain. No. And I, I knew immediately that Kirsten was going to make or break this book. And she was one of the reasons why it was awful. Mm -hmm. It was it was frustrating because, I mean, it's set up great. Kirsten is supposed to be with the council guy and he doesn't pick her. He picks his best friend. Yeah, we kind of all saw that coming. But still, that's great. Why? Mm -hmm. What does Kirsten do with her anger? Mm -hmm. Nothing we haven't already read before. That was such a letdown. Yeah, it was. Anything to add about Kirsten? No, it just, it just fell back into these, like, stereotypical, shallow characterizations yeah. that I was... With a theme like this that you set up, you needed to just delve deeper into a character's... Um, the backstory and their psychology as to, like, again, with the, the Aunt Lydia-type persona. Why did you become this way? Just because you... You want to get married? I don't know. I don't know who she we was. We don't know. You, you know, can't so, even speculate because there's we're not giving anything right. to speculate. So it's like maybe that's it's like still she's like oh I didn't explain her backstory so of course she'll change her mind when she's about to like die. It's like no, you know, just no. Um, tyranny. Let's talk about her. Okay. She. I wrote in my notes that she stands up to her parents and to all these awful men, but she's afraid of Kirsten. I don't understand that at all. I mean, I get she's a villain. She and uh, Gretchen kind of like tells her not to. She's telling her, no, 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 just told the lie, just told the line. And I thought that maybe Gretchen was gonna grow. She oh, doesn't. That was so disappointing. She as doesn't. Well. Nothing happens yeah, there. No, she just succumbs to. Um, doesn't Gretchen die? Oh wait, are we? We're, we're yeah, in the spoiler okay. section. Doesn't Gretchen die? She doesn't die. But she becomes a shell of herself. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Um, so tyranny never defeats her foe. She never defeats Kirsten. That doesn't happen. Doesn't maybe that's um, maybe that's foes. the point. Maybe it's not supposed to be a girl on girl hate book. It's supposed to be against the patriarchy. Okay, I get that. 
But, but, as, but as Kirsten being the tool of the patriarchy, that would have made sense. True. Because she's not attacking women. She's not, like, setting herself against any of the other women in this camp. It's because Kirsten had positioned herself as a oppressor. So it would have made sense in True. this regard. Yeah. You know, and it didn't. they go against Aunt Lydia, you know, eventually. Like, that's that would have made sense. It's not just me hating you because you're a female and you're prettier than me or you have this guy's attention like Kirsten is doing. Mm -hmm. So, no. True. Um, so let's talk about the men, the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess we, we didn't get an explanation as to why all of a sudden they turn 16. I don't know if it's just because they're women and it's just a metaphor of them it's being women. It's because this is a YA book and 16 is smack dab in the middle of high school. That's literally why I think that was... Because okay. why? There's no reason. She doesn't explain she it. She doesn't explain it. And at first I thought that there was something supernatural going on, because but there wasn't. Because if this really was a book that she was like, that I'm going hard on this one, it would have been whenever they get their period first. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. regardless of your age. Because that's the magic, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe she thought that was too on the nose. I don't know. Or too frightening. Let me see what I have here. Um... Sorry, we have dead air. This just this book was just conglomeration. Like, let's just move into after she leaves the Gracier settlement. Because that was when it really got fucking crazy. Okay. <laughs> Who was that guy? What was his name? Hal or something? Hal. Oh no. The boyfriend? Yeah. Let's just call him Calvin. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. I don't know his name. Okay, so she is basically forced out of the Ryder Riker. Riker. Riker, thank you. It wasn't even close. Hal? <laughs> She's forced out of this settlement, and she, you know, she's been surviving kind of on her own, but she realizes that somebody out there, these, like, guards that are supposed to keep them frightened and keep them inside of the Gracier, one of them has clearly been helping her, and she eventually finds out who it is, and they, like, strike up a relationship. And in, and, I'm, and that's when I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think I understand why, is it Liggett? 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 I think I understand why she did this. I think it was because he was not the patriarchy. She was she was meant to find a man that was actually a good person. Sure. Okay. That's important. But the way she did it was some bullshit. Yeah. He is prancing around butt naked and she's like, hey, yeah, booty yeah, time yeah, 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 yeah. after That's like literally day the two. development of their relationship. <sighs> yeah. Okay, so then he has a brother who is upset because his whole family was something happened to him and his family and he's like you know i hate her and i mean it was the whole manipulation thing and he's like no i choose her over you and it was just something that we've all read before mm -hmm. it was just nothing mm -hmm. it was predictable you knew what was going to happen doesn't she get pregnant oh yeah oh. <laughs> that that's what happened not only does she get pregnant but riker dies and the whole she keeps and going back all, and forth the back and all forth all of this bullshit just distracts from a plot that actually had substance. Yeah. So that's why we had a problem with it. This is going to be, like you said, it's going to be one of my worst of the year. I gave this two stars on Goodreads. Oh, I had I to give it a two one. because there was at least an attempt to talk about something in the beginning. In the beginning. No, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I gave it on Goodreads. I, I had no patience for this book, though, after. Yeah. yeah. After she, like, 
goes back to the thing and is like, oh, the water poison. They're like, no, it's not, bitch. And then she goes back to Riker and he's like, let's go. Then he dies. Then she goes back. And then and then Hal is the guy who really is the killer because he was really nice to her and she thought he was her friend and he wasn't. And he's really a, a, a stalker killer. Then she goes back and she's pregnant. And then they go back. It's like, oh, my God. And so, okay, so this is this is my one of my issues with the ending. Okay, so I understand that revolution does not happen over a year. It's years and years and years. And so I believe having the baby is the new generation, and we're not going to have the grace here anymore starting with this baby. Great, I get that. However, this is my problem. Her mother is the usurper or whatever. They have been doing this for 10 fucking years. You mean to tell me that you watch your daughters die, get left on the street, murdered, mutilated for 10 years, and you're still planning the patriarchy? No, we need to move faster. 10 years they have been plotting and planning. That is unacceptable. Yeah. Especially when your daughters are dying. This is a dire situation now. Not even that, but like you you basically have to watch them come back and 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 live a living death. Yes. Like they're not the same people. So they're either dead out there on the street right. or they're living dead in front of your right. face, which is arguably possibly more painful. At least there's closure the other way. Like oh my yeah, that none of this none of it made sense. None of it. <laughs> so sorry if you loved it. This was bad. Let's move swiftly along. Let's move swiftly we along. Raise our blood pressure too high. Because right. I can feel my boiling. Who's All right, first? October predictions. Um, well, I had. I have more. One, I have like two, five. three, four, five. I had five books. Okay. Only got to three. Okay. So I'll just start with mine. Um, the first one I read was When You Ask Me Where I'm Going by Jasmine Core. My prediction was that I would give this four stars. I ended up giving this five stars. This is going to be oh. on my top ten of the year, possibly my top five. This was the strongest, like, YA poetry anthology I've ever read. It was just a beautiful, like, feminist cultural look at her own culture, specifically, like, um, East, East Asian, so, like, Indian, Pakistani culture. Um, she's very honest about the struggles that women in that society and culture go through. It was very interesting to learn about, but it was also very relatable because, you know, as a woman or as someone who's been in a relationship, like, you've experienced that, like, sense of sometimes, like, worthlessness or, like, difficulty that comes with, like, loving another person. And so she goes a lot into, like, trauma, love, empowerment, and the full circle, the, the like, transition from this, like, person with no agency to someone who's realizing their worth, to someone who uh, now wants to make changes in their life to, like, show that worth to the world is a really, like, powerful transition through this poetry book. So... It, it, it's got no publicity like I mean mm -hmm. she's touring with like um, Tahara Mafi right now so they are trying to pair her with someone who is well known in the YA community because she's younger she's very new this is her first book um, so I, I mean I was glad to see that I unfortunately that she's paired with Tahara Mafi because we don't like her books I mean this woman is a phenomenal author compared to anyway Although poetry is very different from a novel. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's uh, When You Ask Me Where I'm Going by Jasmine Kaur, which I gave five stars. So definitely pick that up if you like poetry. Okay, so I read 13 Doorways. Was it Wolves Behind wolves the Wall? Wolves Behind the Wall. <laughs> I was going to say Wolves all the way down. 
<laughs> That's turtle all the way down. Know, all. <laughs> okay, so I predicted a 4.0. Excuse me while I pull up my Goodreads review. And I gave it a 4.25. I think this is a book where if I had someone to discuss it with, and I at least currently reading it, so my review may change after she's done and we talk mm -hmm. about it. Um, it could possibly get higher. Um, I don't want to go into the... It's, ba it's basically a feminist book. And I did not realize going in. Uh, Bone Gap is magical realism. So I was expecting some kind of magical element. And there wasn't one. And it wasn't until about 75% into the book. 75% into the book until I realized this is a coming of age feminist novel. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's quite a pivot. It, yeah. And it wasn't bad. What I was reading wasn't bad. It was just... It just took me a while to catch up with everything. So, what I liked about it is basically it's set in pre-World War II in Chicago. We are about to enter the war, and it's told through the eyes of a ghost. And she is telling the story of um, Frankie, which is a girl, and Tony, her sister, and her brother, who live in an orphanage in Chicago. And they're orphans because their mother has passed away and their father just can't afford to take care of them so he sends them to a convent and he goes and visits them on the weekends okay so what I liked about this book is all the characters were great they're mostly women with the exception of uh, a love interest of Frankie and her father and all the girls really contribute to the story as a whole I think my favorite character was Tony, who was Frankie's sister. Tony is a very follow the rules. You know, there's a girl part of the convent and a boy part, and they when they go play on the playground, there's a yellow line, and you can't cross that yellow line. And Frankie's like, nope, I'm not, I'm not gonna cross that yellow line. Her sister, on the other hand, is like, oh, I like boys, and I'm gonna cross the yellow line, and I'm gonna break the rules. And she's like, you keep breaking the rules, and you're getting us both in trouble. I need you to stop. Tony has big breasts. She's very confident. And Frankie has gotten her hair cut short because of Tony getting them in trouble. She's very insecure. So it's like this yin and yang thing going. And at some point, Tony makes her grow. Tony makes Frankie grow. She's like, look, I am who I am. I don't care what men think. I don't care what women think. I don't care what the nuns think. This is who I am and I like it. And, you know, for a, she's like two years younger than her too. Mm -hmm. I think she's like 16 at the time Tony is. So I liked her a lot. She's not in the story a lot, but when she is in there, she's quite impactful. Yes. Um, clearly by the title, you can tell it's a pretty metaphorical story. 13 Doorways, Wills Behind Them All. I can't really say much about it because it is a spoiler. Um, I like that it doesn't show feminism in your face. I hate when authors do that. And the fact that I didn't catch on until 75% in is like, oh, okay. I didn't see all of that. But what she does is she talks about how daughters treat mothers how sons treat fathers how women are contemporaries treat contemporaries um how brothers treat their sisters and we see like great representation like um her brother i think his name is Vito. he's very mm -hmm. supportive of them he loves them very much and then you have this other these other their stepbrothers who are disgusting and then you have a good good moms and bad moms and so it's just like all these different relationships and they all work really well and they all have a point. Um, so that was really, that was done really well. Uh, it is a slow read. It is a critical book. Laura Ruby is not here to give you action on the page. 
she's here to make you think and discuss and reflect so I mean even it's slow even in bone gap like it's just it's just not gonna move very quickly it is nominated for the National Book Award it is shortlisted I believe so I liked it a lot like I said I'll probably give it higher if Mm -hmm. I have someone to discuss it with when you're finished. Yeah, I'm currently reading that, and I I'm, I just started today, so, like, I'm only 20 pages in, but I personally am already liking it better than Bone Gap. I'm more invested in these characters already. Um, so, yeah, no, that just, none of that was spoilery. It just gives me, like, a better context within which re to read the story. Um, yeah, so that was one of the five books that I didn't get to, but I'll go to my next one. I'll, I'll, I read a short book called Orpheus Girl by Bryn Rebel Henry, and this one had some controversial feedback on Goodreads, and I was uh, one of those that agreed with the Goodreads reviews. So my prediction was that I was going to give it a three stars. That's ultimately what I ended up giving it. Um, it was being compared to Sylvia Plath, and that I had to shoot down, because Sylvia Plath knew how to take her suffering, translate it into writing, and have it be something that even if you've never experienced what she's experiencing, you're right there with her. And it it teaches you something about like, life is suffering, and what does that mean for us as human beings? And I feel like this woman, this girl was trying, this woman was trying to do that, but it was just like LGBTQ suffering for the sake of LGBTQ suffering. Mm. and doesn't really for me it didn't really go anywhere maybe I'm not her target audience but Still. I really wanted to like really dig into this book I was like I love a good book that's like hailed as a critical AF read so I'm gonna dive in and it just wasn't there for me so this got a three stars three stars because the writing is beautiful okay but the direction that she took her story was not not beautiful. Not beautiful. <laughs> Not that I was hoping for this like happy-go-lucky ending because I know that that's when they compel when they, when you get your book compared to Sylvia Plath, you're in for some shit. But she didn't she didn't go there. So anyway, yeah. All right. So I did not read the other two books I said I was going to read: Rebel by Marie Lu and Fountains of Silence. At least it's going to go into that because she did read that one. But I did read a couple other. October books that I will talk about briefly. One of them is Good Look Girls by Charlotte Nicole Davis. I DNF'd it at 40% oh. um, and here's why. It had a great premise. Mm -hmm. It takes place in like a Wild West America but in this world you're not discriminated by race. You're discriminated if you can cast a shadow or not. Interesting because physics says everything casts a shadow. Why are they not casting the shadow? We have these girls who, if your parents cannot, like, they, I think your parents, the, the adults were, like, basically indentured servants of, like, the, um, and it's an empire, it's not a government now. And if you can't afford to pay your money, you have to send your girls to prostitution. And so that's where we have these two girls, and they are uh, working girls in this brothel. And one day, the younger girl, when you become 16, you become a working girl, and the... 16 year old she becomes a working girl and she's like she has a, a younger she has an older sister and the older sister's already a working girl and she's like no older sister i don't remember their names let's call them they're like flower names aren't they like girl, iris. i don't know let's call the younger girl iris and call the other girl daisy 
So Iris is the one who she's a new working girl. And she's like, no, Daisy, I can do this. I'm fine. She's just trying to, you know, make her feel good. But she's not okay with it. And she ends up killing the man when he tries to force himself on her. And so then they got to get the hell out of Dodge because he's an important man in the community. So they're on the run. Okay. So meanwhile, so I'm just going to read my Goodreads review because I basically sum it up here. So Davis's world had an empire, not a government that indentured shadowless people. Um, so I basically talked about that. Okay. So the prostitutes are branded with some sort of glowing flower and you see that on the cover and it's implanted in their cheek that they can't cover up. So it's basically a brand and it's branded by whatever brothel they belong to and anybody can just scan their thing and be or see it, it glows and be like, I'm going to return you back to the brothel. You shouldn't be out here. There's also supernatural be beings that are like half monster, half human, and they're like these Dementor type things. And then there are these humanoid vultures. Okay, so my problem with the book is all those amazing things I talked about at 40%, she does not discuss where the vultures came from. She doesn't talk about why you have no shadow. She doesn't talk about this empire that's taken over. She doesn't talk about the brand on their thing. You have technology. Where did the brand come from? Yet yeah, you don't have any you don't have running water you don't have mm -hmm. motor vehicles you know she does not talk about this fascinating world at all mm -hmm. instead we get the older sister daisy who meets this guy on the road she's leery of him but we know it's going to be a love to hate the younger sister and her two friends oh, are pointless i hate to love okay. my bad the two younger sisters are pointless and this is the one that was going to be pushed into prostitution she contributes nothing to the plot and then we have another girl who in the brothel was kind of like the, um, when the madam wasn't there, she was the one that took control, but she found them in the dead guy. And she was like, no, I want to go with you. I need to get the hell up out of here. But she's like addicted to this drug. And so her whole time that I've read, she's just trying to detox. So we just get all of these little bullshit tropes, nothing about her world. And I was like, you know what? I've read this book already. And I can't read this anymore, which is unfortunate. She really had something there. and She didn't do anything with it, yeah. at least by 40%. And by then, I was just over it. Like her mom. Yeah. All right. Whew. Well, my my last book is Fountains of Silence by Ruta Cepetis. This was one of my highly, my most anticipated of 2019. I love Ruta Cepetis's books. Um, Salt to the Sea, like, blew my mind, changed my world. Still one of my favorite books. And this book briefly is about Spain in the 1950s under Francisco Franco's dictatorship in like the post-Spanish Civil War world of Spain. And the Goodreads synopsis talks about this character Ana who lives in Spain. She's Spanish and she's a maid at this Hilton Hotel. And then the other character that it focuses on is Daniel Matheson and he is a son he's the son of a wealthy oil magnate who's who we later find out is there to like broker a deal with franco that's not really a spoiler but it's just something that's why they're there um obviously the two of them meet there's a spark they fall in love and like that's what goodreads made me believe that the story was gonna be about and then oh, you know the, yeah that that was gonna be the vehicle for us exploring this post spanish civil war world which it was but then she like pivots like I want to say like 60% through of the story so she kept throwing in these little snippets of like uh, this this orphanage and because I had read Salt of the Sea previously I kept expecting one of the characters to be deranged mm -hmm. because she does that she like sets up this like it's told in multiple POVs again as she does so you're 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 
abruptly taken out of one person's point of view and put in another person's and blah, 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 blah. And in this book, I'm not really sure that that worked super well um, because I kept expecting this one character who works at a Catholic orphanage to be deranged. I kept waiting for her to start hurting these children. And it was like, Ugh. so I was like apprehensive to read certain chapters because I'm like, what am I about to read? And then you realize that, are we giving spoilers? No. Well, then I can't say the rest of my review. But ultimately, it pivots to focus Actually, on... Actually, yeah, because I just spoiled this book. Right, I was like, I felt like that was pretty... Anyway. My bad. So the Spoilers. Book, the, Daniel Matheson, um, he's the son of a rich oil magnate, and his dad expects him to take up the mantle after he passes away, but he does not want to go into oil. He's passionate about photography, he's very talented, and he's hoping that he can like win this award to get a full scholarship to this photography school. He takes a picture of this nun like running through the street away from these Spanish police holding a dead baby. And he's like, what just happened? So like that's the kind of key into the larger picture of this book, but she doesn't begin to discuss that until way like well past the middle of the book. Mm -hmm. So the pacing was very strange in this book. I I ended it by ended my review by saying like this book needed a better edit. There were a few tangents she goes off on that really didn't it only served to world build. Okay. And in my opinion, the meat of her story was enough to carry this book through on its own. Um, we didn't need all of that, like, extra side story, even though, yes, like, that lended to the emotional depth of the story and, like, kind of reminded Daniel why pursuing this, like, baby-slash-orphanage story was important. But, um... You learn a lot of, like, crazy stuff about what happened in Spain. And, the, and and what I liked is that she she puts little snippets of actual documents from Spanish... I'm sorry, from United States, like, embassy workers or, like, the diplomats to Spain at that time. Um, letters that were written from presidents, specifically JFK, to Francisco Franco. So there's a lot of historical stuff that she pulls into this book. So it was really well-researched, but um, I was hoping to give it five stars. I think I only gave it four, like a flat four. I wanted more from this book. Yeah. I didn't I didn't leave it feeling the same like oh my god, like wave of emotion that I did um the first time because even okay, so I'm just going to spoil it. If you haven't read this yet, just like cut this off for the next like 5 to 10 seconds. Um ultimately Franco like was trying to raise up the next generation of fascists. So anyone who was a Republican, so what they called people who were not fascists, um if they had children or if their children had children, um and they gave birth in particular hospitals, unbeknownst to them, the doctors and staff would make them believe that their child died and they would take them and sell them to Americans or fascist families in Spain. And it's estimated that over 300,000 children were stolen from their parents. Oh Isn't that fucked up? So like, that's intense. Why are you focusing on all this other bullshit in the oh, story? Yeah. So, and then she doesn't really go anywhere with it. It just is something that happens in her book. We don't learn how that ended. We don't really... It just faded away, I guess. I don't know. She she puts a lot of stock in the romance of this story. So she's, like, trying to lighten it with this romance between the two of them, which, again, it's Sepetis. It was well-written. It was heartwarming. It was beautiful. But that is an intense storyline. Yeah. So I wanted to learn more about that. And the scenes of, like, these these children, like, being dropped off at the at the um the orphanage because their parents couldn't take care of them and like six-year-olds having to grapple with the fact that their mother and dad don't want them anymore like this was a very dark book but it's distracted the book itself is distracted so 
I was hoping to like this more than I did, but I gave it a four stars because it's still well written, still really well researched, and it's an important topic, but... That's a bar. Yeah. Fountains of Silence. I don't even think I said the title. Fountains of Silence by Rudis Apetis. <laughs> Sorry. Alright, my next book is A River of Royal Blood by Amanda Joy. Uh, yeah. So, I had, I gave this book a three. I had lots of issues. I, I liked what she was trying to do. No, I didn't. The only thing I like, <laughs> what I liked about it is that it is, just like Children of Blood and Bone, it is African characters set in a, fant a fantastic African country great but that's about it for me anyway so it's basically a story about two sisters and only one of them can be queen and so one has to die like how many freaking times are we going to get this story i'm yeah i can't with the story anymore and she doesn't do anything inter interesting with it um i'm not going to do a spoiler i want to rant but i'm not going to just in case you want to read the book she so the older no they're are they, I think, oh my god, I can't talk. Whatever, I think they're sisters, I don't think they're twins. One of them doesn't have magic, of course, and one of them has all the magic, of course. So the one that has all the magic, she can manipulate people, but does she do anything interesting with it? No, she just manipulates people into being her friend. Okay. Of course. That's what we do with our that's what we do with manipulation magic. <laughs> magic on. Force people to be my friend. Okay. Sure. The mom... She just has mommy issues because she prefers the manipulator over the other one because she can't do any. The, the daughter has no magic, so why would I love that piece of shit? That's what that is. And uh, what else? Okay, so this book also does something that I hate. It is told in first person, which means that it is going to be info dumped. Never read a first person POV. Nick, it's Nick. Don't come in here. Um, never read a first-person POV because it's going to all be info dump. That's just what's going to happen. And the romance was not great. Um, I kind of want to say the spoiler. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Breeze on well, through. I was very upset at the ending and how it all resolved. I'll tell the least later. But you guys <laughs> are not privy to, to the my special spoiler. <laughs> the spoiler reveals. All right, I'm done with that. I have no more books. All right, last one for me. Is Fireborn by Rosaria Munda, which I'm very upset that this is not getting more buzz than I think mm -hmm. it deserves. I gave it a four to five. It would have been higher, but I had a problem with the ending. But uh, I mean, it's not a four point one seven from Goodreads, but no one's talking about this book, which I'm I'm really bummed about that. So basically, there's a dragon on the cover, so obviously there's dragons. And in this world, there was a ruling class. They were dragon riders, but they got a little bit too power hungry. And so when the times were tough and they needed to harvest and preserve food, they would tell the farmers, I need you to give me more money and more food. And if I don't get that, I'm gonna burn your ass with my dragon. And that's what they were doing. So there was a revolution and they killed everybody except the prince. I forgot the prince's name. What is it with me and not remembering anybody's Names freaking are name? Names are hard. Names are hard. And we read, I mean, we read a lot of books in every month. It's like, it's hard to keep everyone on track. Lee. His name is Lee. So Lee was spared and he went to an orphanage and he was smart enough to realize I had another orphanage, orphanage. right? This is orphanage Jeez. month. Oh my God. I just realized that. 
<laughs> it's like the third book of the army. So he realizes pretty quickly, I shouldn't tell anybody who I am or they're going to kill me. So he like hides his whole identity and he befriends a girl named Annie. And when the revolution took over, you had to take a test and it kind of put you where you fit in. So if you tested into iron, which is the lowest cast, you're poor, you're a factory worker, your life sucks. Or you could be a farmer, you're still poor, but you have food, you know, you have money, you can take care of your family. Or you test into the highest, which is like government and military. And so Annie and Lee have scored high. And even though Lee is a dragon rider, he's from royalty, and Annie apparently was a farmer. She's been poor. And they really bring that up in the book where she gets ridiculed because she's not a higher class, and it really affects her whole jam. Um, so when they are in the school, it becomes this whole conundrum because Lee is not the only one who was spared. His cousin was spared. And she hightailed it to a different country across the way and I forgot to mention that when the revolution took over, they killed all the dragons because they thought the dragons was evil. They didn't like what they were doing with them. Mm. But she has a dragon and she's like, hey guys, um, I got a dragon and I want my kingdom back. And so I'm about to kill all y'all motherfuckers. <laughs> so Lee is like, oh like my that. God, my cousin is back. And But he is poised to be the leader of the army. And he has, you know, been living in this world to believe that his father was awful. He mm. burned people to the ground. And you know, very generous. Yeah, and so very generous, exactly. And so now he is conflicted between duty and family. What is he gonna do? Mm. And that's basically what the book is about. Even though there are dragons on the page, it is not an action-filled book. I believe maybe book two will be, mm. but this is totally character-driven. We are all we are consumed in Lee's head. Annie is also very smart. She's very capable, but she is insecure. And people treat her as such and she can't she just can't get out of her own head and out of her own fears to actually do something and they kind of have this little role they kind of like each other however Annie's family was burned by one of the dragons and so he's like oh shit I can't tell her who I am because she's gonna hate me so there's that whole thing going on it's like totally character driven and very slow moving but it's really good. It was just one problem I had with the main villain. And it wasn't tropey at all. Like, Lee was, um, like I said, they have to, they do have dragons. They found some dragon eggs or whatever. And so they do have baby dragons. And the dragons, they can't breathe fire. They only breathe smoke. So they train on these dragons. And they're battling to see who's going to be the, the general of the army. And the main protagonist is, um, antagonist, my bad, is his name is Power. And when Lee defeats him, he doesn't, like, retaliate or anything he's just like cool man whatever he he like calls Annie pieces of shit to her face but then he befriends her and then he's like I hate you Lee I'm gonna get back at you but then he's a friend and I couldn't understand his motive and it was never explained at the end of the book and he was a great character and he wasn't tropey or anything but I didn't understand why he was so what what was he trying to do clearly he's got some secrets and they do get revealed but I couldn't understand where this guy was coming from and it bothered me so much that I lowered my rating. It yeah. would have been a four and a half, but it's gotta be clear. Yeah. She not, didn't resolve you have to drop it. The clues to make it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. However, if you like a slow moving plot, character driven, I should say, a character driven story, you should really read this book. It's a really good book. And I believe all right. that's all the books I read in October. Woo. It was a lot. It was actually. November's gonna be slow as hell, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm only gonna read two books. Yeah, I'm playing catch up this month.
so I haven't even started. I just found out that the toll, which is book three by Neil Schusterman, is six hundred and seventy-two pages. That's Damn! <laughs> and I haven't even started Call the Hawk, which is five hundred yeah, pages. Yeah, right. That's right. So I'm gonna start that tomorrow. All right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and we will catch you in the next podcast.